0: Welcome to Talk Back, I'm Kahari.
1: And I'm Rishi. And we're two best friends talking theater and culture while spotlighting our Black and South Asian communities.
0: Let's get into it. This week, we're talking about musicals, which the premiere of The Prom and Netflix really sparked and we thought it'd be a fun time to talk (laughs) about the forum that originally brought us together, Rishi. Yes. Dave doing Legally Blonde. That was our first show together. And Then we did Sweeney Todd. So, you know, it's the genesis of our bond. I'm nostalgic for movie musicals that actually honored the form of musical theater, Ooh. where we got good singers, good dancers, and people were shot with their full bodies, and you could really see um, the the musical form like on display. I'm thinking like, oh my god, like so many of the old um, like R and H musicals movie musicals, some of the like Streisand movie musicals, like they were just mm-hmm. much more true to, to musical theater. I just sadly think like when The Prom came out, I didn't have expectations of it being like a golden age movie musical. And I loved Ariana DeVos and Kerry Washington, just gonna plug, you know, a little representation matters. It was fun seeing them in the show, in the movie. And I thought they enhanced the characters compared to when they were on Broadway.
1: No, I agree. First of all, shout out to Kerry Washington. I'm so, like, I didn't know she could sing like that. And when, you know, <laughs> her, she only has, like, this one line of singing in the entire show. And I remember when it was announced Carrie Washington was going to do this. I was like, I'm so excited to hear her. And the What minute, will she do next? And the minute, like, that track came out, I just went to that part in the song. And I was like, wow, as expected, she killed it. And also, um, Ariana DeBose, I'm so proud of her. I thought she was incredible in the movie and really you know, with a very small role, um, she made an impression. And I'm just thinking about how she's about to be Anita in Spielberg's West Side Story movie. And I'm just filled with so much pride because, you know, talking about like how movie musicals aren't what they used to be, I'm just thinking so much of that is because we don't have movie stars who can sing and dance. Like we used to have Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds. And like to have a star like Ariana DeBose who was an ensemble member on Broadway for so many years, iconically the bullet in Hamilton. It's so exciting because I know she's at least gonna do it justice. I've been thinking a lot about dance in movies this week, especially because we unfortunately lost Anne Ranking, the legendary actress, dancer, choreographer. She won a Tony for choreographing the um, most recent current revival of Chicago. Um, and it was quite a sudden announcement. And that's made me just think a lot about dance because I just think about just how mind blowing some of her dance sequences were and like talk about somebody who was just a triple threat and could do it all. And you know, it's so, so sad.
0: It's funny watching the prom and seeing them like try to um, give Nicole Kidman like that moment to, to be like a flashy dancer in that Saz number. Um, and I love her to death, but it's just not the same as someone like Anne Rankin floating across the stage on a screen. Um, there's really, really nothing like it.
1: Anne Ranking, like the minute she passed, all of these Broadway dancers were like, hi, this was our Patti LuPone, yeah, this total. was our you know, Audra McDonald. She was such a trailblazer. And similar to the conversation we had about Gwen Verdon last year when Fosse Verdon came out, I don't think she was ever given the full credit for how much of a collaborator she was with Fosse and then how much she continued his legacy and deepened his legacy later with both Chicago and the production of Fosse, the musical, which won Best Musical because of her. I'm very, very sad about that. And uh, we send love to all of those who knew her and uh, worked with her and... Uh, you know, on another very sad note, we lost Natalie DeZell-Reed. Just, a, just a, such an effervescent, amazing actress whom many of you knew from BAPS with Halle Berry, um, from the television show Eve, and from the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella with Whitney and Brandy, where she played the uh, evil stepsister. Once she passed to see people like Danielle Brooks and Octavia Spencer and Sherry Shepard and so many women talk about how she was the blueprint, that, yeah. that was like so moving to me because it just made me think about the many people in television, film and theater who are so talented and do amazing work, but aren't necessarily given the flowers they deserve. They're not given the praise they deserve in their lifetime or the opportunities. And I feel like she was an example of that, but she was so funny yeah. and so wonderful.
0: And that movie musical of Cinderella was so special and especially for for like black people it's like one of our staples honestly brandy's performance whitney's performance natalie's performance they just are always going to live in me and honestly it's one of the movies that like got me excited about musical theater because like not only did i like see black people doing cinderella but It was also iconic because there were like these pop cultural icons in the movie Whitney and Brandy people who aren't musical theater actresses but superstars it showed me that oh like musicals can also matter and it can be a forum that like we all convene around and I I like how in the the prom like there are all these flashy actors in it that got people excited but Cinderella took people who also like wouldn't be traditionally casted in a piece like that and gave them the chance to like be their whole selves in that show. So I feel like that's another kind of like blueprint we could use for movie musicals moving forward that both honor the form. Like it was very much just Cinderella, Roger and Hammerstein, but also imagined new possibilities within the form. So definitely was sad to hear about uh, Natalie's passing, but also just made me happy because I was like, wow, that that sh- that movie's always going to live in me.
1: Yeah. And also just like a quick thing, like, I think the reason that movie was so amazing is because Whitney Houston was producing it and she was just like, I do not care who's in this. Like, I really want anybody to be in this. And like, yeah. as a result, you had like Paula Montalban, who, who's Asian, Asian American and his his parents in the movie were Victor Garber and Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. And you had Bernadette Peters being the mother to Natalie Dezel and Vianne Cox. Like it was just so effortless. Color I, I conscious
0: had, casting from color like Color Conscious, the non-traditional 90s. casting. <laughs> yeah,
1: like to this day, I can't, you know, I, I love that score. I can't listen to any other Cinderella because that one just means so much to me. And um, as we talk about movie musicals, we're thinking of both Anne and Natalie this weekend please go and check out their work if you're not familiar with them.
0: What have you been listening to in terms of Broadway, off-Broadway, you know, musicals? And what has that brought up for you? what's been capturing Rishi during the pandemic?
1: It's been interesting because there's a few cast recordings that have come out in the last year um, that I've been listening to a lot recently. And they're all shows that, unfortunately, we missed. They're all off-Broadway shows. So I've been listening a lot to Soft Power, David Henry Huang and Janine Tesori musical that was at The Public, was a Pulitzer finalist. Theater Um, Theater Gods, and uh, I've been listening to that. I've been listening to A Strange Loop, which is just one of the best scores I've heard in years, and obviously won the Pulitzer Prize this year. Hopefully, we'll be coming to Broadway when this is all over. And then more recently, I've been listening to Octet, the new Dave Malloy musical, um, which I'm really, really enjoying. Um, And then I've also been listening to In the Green, which is a musical by Grace McLean for all of you Natasha Pierre fans. Um, It's a musical she wrote and is also in. I feel like in general, when I listen to a cast recording, I'm either able to see the show, you know, sometime afterwards, or I've already seen the show and it's really accessible to me. But in in this case, I feel like all of these shows were sadly shows that I missed and to completely discover these shows not knowing if I'm ever going to get to see them is a really I don't know it's interesting because I'm like enjoying listening to them so much but I've realized for me when I listen to cast recordings before I see a show I'm always in this place of like oh my god I can't wait to see this I can't wait to imagine Uh it and it's Uh weird I'm listening to, to these shows and all of them are so brilliant but I'm also just like I don't know like musical theater doesn't feel tangible to me right now so it's almost like will i ever get to see any of these things maybe not and therefore like my only relationship to them especially since they're off-broadway shows might be these cast recordings um yeah that's interesting interesting because
0: like what if (laughs) maybe the way that you're you're approaching these cast recordings is more like a concept album so I'm imagining listening to Town before it was a musical but right. you know there being characters and it being a, a piece of somewhat narrative storytelling I also think there's something special about being able to listen to them as they are especially Octet my oh. conception of that right now is totally concept album I have no idea what that looks like on stage and you know I've just been really loving the the, the beauty of the, the soundtracks on their own. Because I do think they, they tell stories and that's the beauty of like a well-made cast recording. I've also been kind of going back into old Broadway shows. And when I say old, I mean classics, like mm. pre 1970s shows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because
0: I've been really getting back into singing, thinking like My Fair Lady on the Town, R and H
1: Learner and Low. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like a lot of those male ballads particularly are just right in my pocket. So mm-hmm. I've been singing them and then it'll just go straight to the next song and I'll just end up listening to big chunks of the scores. And just melodically, I, I miss those type of scores as well. We live in a world right now where we're rejecting a lot of the things that came before in favor of uh, of, of, styles that are new and can live and be, be heard broadly for, for the first time. Um, and I'm super into that, but I'm also just like, man i would love a good on the town revival that was interesting like i know we recently had one but that's just an example of the show that i'm just like i love this score and i really cherish this and i guess my previous point not even that i want a revival but just that i want to keep singing it and i don't think i'm ever going to stop
1: listening to to those scores you know i've also been singing a lot um and all of those songwriters (laughs) um they wrote such rich melodies that, like you know, rich. are just aesthetically still like so pleasurable to listen to, and so ple- and like so just enjoyable to sing. Um, and it's one of those weird things where it's like we've talked about this a lot, but I feel like especially when you're talking about like R and H shows, Rodgers and Hammerstein shows so mm-hmm. many of them it's like oh my goodness what a beautiful score what a messy like retrograde book like that doesn't work today you know without <laughs> you know i think yep. about carousel and the misogyny and and i think about king and i and the racism and the imperial yeah, like yeah. all of the all of the things that you know in the time might have been you know from a like a white liberal perspective very kind of groundbreaking but are now just really offensive and you know, it's interesting to think like, what is the legacy of these shows? It feels like with every generation, less and less people know the material to begin with, but also like, you know, how do we reconcile like musical theater history that, you know, politically and socially is really just so far from anything we would want to see right now, but still have incredible (coughs) scores. That was what was so exciting about Oklahoma, because I was like, Oklahoma has such an incredible score. I'm and this recent revival completely reframed the tone of the piece completely just by making very smart directorial mm-hmm. choices. And it makes me both excited and also kind of scared because whenever we come back to the theater, Lord knows all producers are going to be like, what is the safest thing to produce? What is the safest thing? And it's yeah. like, I don't want any more movie musical adaptations or jukebox musicals. Like, I, enj- I can enjoy good ones, but still, all of these shows are so original, so like... Politically interesting, and, and like, I don't know, I feel like they're pushing the form forward, and I just hope um, we don't lose that momentum. continuing with what we were talking about earlier I wanted to ask you what are your dreams for the future of musical theater
0: (laughs) that's a (laughs) ginormous question um I think I have I have ideas for the future of the theater and of musical theater kind of institutionally but for um, I, I think in terms of the actual art of it, I want musicals to get more experimental, especially on Broadway. Straight plays are often more interesting and dynamic than musicals. And it's given musicals a bad rep, frankly, to what you're speaking to before, how like you don't want that many more movie musicals. You don't want that many more jukebox musicals. I think musicals, have the unique power to be experimental because there's more elements throw in dance and throw in singing it should complicate things it should provide more room for exploration um, creatively and within you know content and I think movement, can provide new type of physical spaces voice and music creates new sonic spaces and i want to explore that yeah. and that's what i think pieces like octet hadestown a lot of the pieces we've been excited about in the last few years like that's what those shows do we were actually on a call recently with our friends and our friend caroline was saying she's interested in Seeing dance pieces with yeah. dancers who don't identify as dancers, and our friend Josiah was saying he's interested in in music and singing pieces that, um, you know, just include people using their voices. They don't have to be fancy singers, and I think that's a special thing to explore too. We should all be able to make musicals together.
1: If we think about musicals that are now considered classic or standards, in their time they were experimental. Like West Side Story was the co- first time like movement. Mm-hmm and and you know like opera and so many forms were combined. It's so interesting because we don't give these shows their due in their day. And then later we're like, oh, they're a classic. And we try to replicate them until they're not even that creative anymore. And the shows that are actually trying things, I feel like aren't given that same thing. So I just think what you said about the musical being a thoroughly creative form, I, I think we need to just be open-minded about it.
0: I'm also interested in what type of worlds we can create through musicals. Uh, to your point of people recreating forms that, that emerge as the new trendy thing, like I think right now we're very much in the, the pop musical moment. I feel like we've been in for like 15 years or something, <laughs> like it's still going, but I, I want new forms to emerge as that. I think Hamilton's been somewhat disruptive in that I'm ex- anticipating there being more hip hop musicals which would be thrilling. I mean, we've already had things like, I mean, Lynn wrote this too, but Bring It On was on Broadway, which had a lot of rap. Holler If You Hear Me was on Broadway, which was Tupac music, um, and that predated Hamilton. But I, I do think there's gonna be more of that, so I'm excited for that as well. And then to my point of new worlds, I think, I feel like I keep talking about Hadestown, but the whole idea of using a musical to, to visualize how the world could be, in both top beauty and the depths of darkness and, and despair that can exist in the world. I'm interested in that too, because I just yeah. finished Watchmen, which I feel like was a mm. really scary world. And I was just imagining like, what if Watchmen was a musical? Like I actually think that would work in this weird way. Cause I think musicals can transform and envision worlds in really exciting ways.
1: How much of the lack of originality do you think is just also just an economic problem? Do you think that it's a matter of producers having to become more capable of taking risks, or do you think it's just a matter of the creative thing?
0: The kind of subtext there is that there are artists envisioning new worlds through this unique form, and we just need to put them on and make them visible. Even if producers don't take risks, um, quote unquote, to put on more creative musicals, we can seek them out because they're out there. For sure. Um, whether it be off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway in the regions. So I, yes, I think it's an economic problem, but it's both the gatekeepers with the power and on like everyday people to For sure, uh, kind of push the forum forward. I don't want to just say like, oh, it's just the gatekeepers because I think that's a cop out.
1: And I think another, you know, thing that I think about a lot, and I know you think about a lot, is like I think especially being two non-white people who love musicals, I think... Um, it's only in off-Broadway that I've started to see performers who look like me working consistently. And like, as someone who wants to obviously have a career in this business, I see a future for creatives like us in that space. And, Mm. you know, I think part of supporting musicals there, it'll build a whole new industry. We have so many amazing, you know, Broadway legends who we love, but I'm interested in like, what do Broadway legends, what do musical theater legends who look like us you know, where are they? Can we cultivate careers for them? Can we make an industry where they can work consistently? Like, I want Kuhu Verma to be able to have a career just like Kelly O'Hara. Up until recently, you know, there weren't many parts for South Asian performers, and I think I'm we're seeing so much, like, so many exciting people come out of that space.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Earlier in the episode, I was talking about the classics and how much I revere them, and and still, you know, really relish in them. And I think I'm excited to get to the point where Hadestown, Town Octet and the Green Soft Power Strange Loop, where these are classics. I mean, Strange Loop just won the Pulitzer Prize, so yeah, it's, it's on its an way. An instant classic. There's there's no way for it not to be. in. and that's really exciting. A show all about that gay man like playwright Usher. It's really cool. So I and just like validating um, as the like young people of color in the industry to know that we can be a part of, of the canon. We can be part of what musicals are and, and will be in the future. So I'm, I'm definitely excited and look forward to, to seeing so much more work. Also just shout out to Ratatouille the musical because yes. even though um, it's like not a real thing, I, I also think it's, really cool that there are people right now devising musicals on TikTok. It just gives me hope that people are so interested in making musicals.
1: Hopefully we're greeted by so many, you know, new shows and new experiences because that's what keeps us coming back to the theater is those, you know, those revelations we get when we watch something and we're like, holy shit, my world's just been reopened.
0: And can I just say, let things run less long so that we can have more musicals yes. on and plays on Broadway. If Every single Broadway house had like a six show season, just like all the regional theaters. That would be an exciting place to be.
1: If we come back to New York when we're able to do shows again and we're doing the exact same thing we were doing in 2019, I'm gonna be disappointed because it's such a missed opportunity. I'm excited to have more conversations with Yuka about all these different aspects of the theater as we're in this really intense transition period.
0: I'm looking forward to it, man. We're gonna be and we're gonna be there. We're gonna see everything, okay? And, we're going um, to and understand not all of the listeners can, I do have the opportunity to, to see all of this work, but I know that that's something I'm gonna be focused on when theater is back, seeing as much as I can, experiencing as much as I can and making as much as I can. And that just makes me excited.
1: So if you wanna experience some musicals during quarantine, we have a few recommendations. Check out our show notes for a list of cast recordings as well as platforms where you can watch musicals filmed live on stage.
0: We're talking Rent, filmed live on Broadway, not the movie. We're talking Chicago, the blueprint of movie musicals. It is excellent. Um, and all the Sondheim musicals, those have been preserved. So we got like Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, etc. Um, so definitely check out Hulu, Netflix, Broadway HD, all these streaming platforms because, you know, movie musicals are everywhere.
1: This episode was produced by Kahari Blue and Rishi Metallic. It was edited by Isabel Merrill and it featured music by Jazak Gammon, AKA Marinate. We will see you next time.